up the sleeper in the bust. It is your Thursday edition. We are approaching the trade deadline. I am Paul Spohr, joined on this Thursday by Eno Saris. Eno, it's been crazy, and I expect it to get even crazier. Yeah. I, I, I said that this would have more fizzle than sizzle, and uh, I was incorrect. I, I felt good about it coming in, you know, after last last year's, I still think was the best deadline day, the, the 31st ever. And, uh, you know, we're, we're prone to that in today's society of calling whatever's happening now the best ever. But I, I truly believe that, you know, even after some some investigation, there was some some stuff written about it where, where people kind of looked back at past deadlines. I honestly believe that last year's 31st was the very best. This has a chance to be one of the very best trade seasons. Obviously, we haven't hit the 31st yet. We'll see what happens tomorrow on Friday, but uh, it's been fantastic. So let's just dive right in. Obviously, we got a lot of trade news to talk about. The big deal today is the David Price to Toronto move. My Detroit Tigers, they said they're going to be retooling yesterday, and one day later, they moved their biggest piece for, for a pretty good haul as far as I'm concerned. Let's talk about it. Daniel Norris, Matt Boyd, and Jairo Labor are going back to the Tigers for David Price. Uh, let's focus on Price to Toronto first. What would you think of the move when you saw it? It's amazing. I mean, th- everyone said that when they got Tula, why didn't they get a pitcher? And uh, here they go and get a pitcher. And, you know, their vice president, is, 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 uh, his contract's up at the end of the year. And now the GM probably knows that a new boss is coming uh, or, you know, possibly if they don't win, a new boss is coming. So he's he's jumping on board and uh, throwing his chips into the center of the table. And, um, you know, I think he's uh, he's done some good work here. I mean, Tulo's under contract beyond this year. And even though Derek Norris is a big piece, Daniel, um, Daniel Norris is a big piece, uh, you know, the command is bad. And the command right now is not good enough to – I don't want to go too far, but maybe not good enough to be a major leaguer. Like, it's it's pretty bad, and it, and, it, and it takes, you know, stuff away from all of his different pitches and just makes everything worse. So, you know, he does obviously have the stuff to be traded in this sort of deal. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you're talking about bust rates and whatever, I mean, I, I think he's solidly on the wrong side of 50-50. And, uh, you know, to get a guy like Price right now when they can easily – I think they can even win the division, honestly. I do too. They um, Twitter uh, – I didn't check the schedule to back this up, but it got tweeted out several times. So I'm going to take it at face value. And even if it's wrong, it's really not the end of the world. But uh, apparently 13 games for, for Yankees, Blue Jays left. 13 games, I mean, that's more than enough to, to flip – flip this division lead that the, that the Yankees currently have. Honestly, they wouldn't even need that many games head-to-head to do it, but but having that many in the bank uh, really gives them a great shot. I love the Tulo move, even though it didn't address the pitching. You know, as folks started to kind of realize, like, just because they didn't get pitching doesn't mean this doesn't help them, but now they get the pitching. It's just the eight billionth case of maybe let things pan out before making definitive comments. And it's not that you can't make comments because then if we're always waiting for things to play out, then then what, what's the end point? But for me, it was like, at least see if they're going to do anything else. But just because they didn't get pitching didn't mean that the Tulo move was bad. Fantastic move for the Jays here to go out and get David Price to put at the front of that rotation. We're going to talk about another one of their starting pitchers who's pitching much better of late. This is very similar to Kansas City getting Cueto, where you look at the rotation and it was not impressive, you know, pretty unappealing. And just that one ace at the top sliding everyone down changes things so freaking much. So great move for Toronto there. I understand what you're saying about Norris with regards to the command. It, it's 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 indisputable that, that, that the command is poor right now. But uh, he's 22 years old. He's a lefty. Uh, I trust the Tigers. Um, the ability to get that next level out of guys, they've shown it repeatedly. When, when they acquire guys who might have a flaw, uh, they, they iron it out uh, very often. You know, Doug Fister came over and he wasn't anything special. They turned him in to something special. Uh, he was great with the Tigers and now look at him with the with the uh with the Nats he's he's kind of average he was very good last year but but average at best now we'll see here what do you think of Boyd and and Lobert because those are probably the two that folks don't have as firm of a grasp on the lasting memory of of Boyd right now unfortunately is that uh nine million earned runs that he gave up without recording it out in his second major league start that's obviously not who he is but talk to me about Boyd and and Jairo Lobert another couple of lefties well, you know, Boyd got his velocity up to 
about major league average for a lefty, and he did it thanks to some of his work with um, driveline baseball, mm-hmm. and uh, and so it's it's actually like a, a real win for 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 that organization over there, and um, you know, and Kyle Body uh, who heads that up, but. Um, you know, uh, I think uh, with major league average velocity, he's got a nice rise ball. Um, he's got, you know, a soft slider um, and uh, a change with a lot of fade, not a lot of drop, a uh, big velocity difference. So it's an interesting uh, collection of pitches that he's got. And, um, you know, I, I, I think uh, he has a chance, especially in Detroit. Also, he's close. He might end up in the rotation he won't right away he's going to go to triple a actually norris is going to start for the tigers on saturday so he's going right to the majors boyd's going to go to triple a but but they're close and the whole point was with this retool was for the tigers to not get a bunch of teenagers they got a 22 year old norris who has major league experience a 24 year old boyd who has major league experience and then lobert is probably the uh, uh furthest one out but a lot ticket yeah, he's the lottery ticket, and he also probably look, he looks a lot like he's going to probably end up being a reliever. But let's be honest, that's exactly what Detroit needs. He's only at at high A right now with the uh, with the Jays, and I believe he's being assigned to the same same level with the Tigers as well. So 21 year old, he's going to take a little bit longer, is LeBear. But the, the, this deal is Norris and Boyd. This is really what the Tigers are banking right. on. And I would throw Boyd in with that Buck Farmer, Shane Green, uh, Kyle Lobstein group that is going to be relevant next year mm-hmm. uh, and this year, you know, are going to be fifth, fourth, fifth starters for that group. And although I like uh, some of the movements on what Buck Farmer's done, the projections aren't great. Um, some of the stats in the minor leagues weren't great. And he hasn't really taken to um, the major leagues yet. Shane Green, a uh, little bit of disappointment for us all in the bullpen now. Maybe he's he's burned that, uh, that chance. Could be a great bullpen guy for them. I mean, he still has velocity and uh, a great slider so you know if he finds that slider again he should be fine but um you know you know there is you could make an argument that boyd you know could really come out of that group i agree i agree there's a lot of great talk about boyd um i didn't have a, a ton of knowledge about him so i was definitely reading up on everything that was posted you mentioned the driveline baseball went and looked at some of the uh, the stuff that they were talking about with regards to boyd so no i, I like this deal i think it, it has a very good chance to be a win-win deal i think the tigers did very well uh in in their returns for price given what they gave for him they got a full year 223 innings of of five win baseball plus these three arms for Adamus, uh, Austin Jackson, and Drew Smiley. That, that's, that's a strong return. I, I really like what the Tigers did here. I think this is a good move. Um, we'll see. How, Norris is obviously the, the big key. I, I know you're not super keen on him. Others are pretty high on him. It's kind of a split thing. That's what you got, though, with, with the 22-year-old who, ha, who still has work to do. So I'm very excited about that. Let's talk about the Cole Hamels deal. Well, uh, just real quick, for Price, uh, one thing that um... – May not show up when you look at his at his career resume because he's always pitched in a home park that favors pitchers. Uh, you know, especially when it comes to home runs. You know, there's a, t- a tiny bit of a home run tendency for him. I mean, he's he's definitely a fly ball guy. I mean, he's strikeout fly ball kind of guy. And you know, his home his home home runs per fly ball rate uh, for his career is seven percent. Um, and his away is, is 10, 7.8% and his away is 10.5. So, you know, the 10.5 is much closer to league average. Yeah, basically is league average. And so you might, and so his away home runs per nine is 0.94 versus 0.71 at home. Uh, so when you look at his season stats and you look at his projections and you see that he's projected for 0.93 home runs per nine going forward and yet he hasn't done that since his rookie year, and you say, oh, I don't believe in that, there's a reason for that. I think it's park factors. And so, you know, I think he's I, – I, I like the projections. And I know that they look a little bit out of line. Um, but, you know, somewhere between a 3.4 and a 3.5 ERA, um, you know, 1.15, 1.16 type of uh, whip, and um, just about the same amount of strikeouts as he's got right now. That's, you know, in this day and age, it's not, I think, a bona fide number ace. I don't think it's a a top 10 pitcher. Yeah, those numbers aren't, but I, I think price will be better than that. I, I don't I don't agree with those projections. I get what you're saying with regards to the to the homers. 
I kind of noticed that a little bit with 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 these ace level pitchers at times they can be had for homers. I find that to be that uh, because they'll challenge guys, particularly in situations where a home run can't really hurt them. So you'll notice that some of these ace level pitchers give up homers uh, more than you might expect based on on their you know bottom line numbers. But it's in situations where okay, well that that didn't really hurt him. You know, two outs. Nobody on. He's challenging some guy uh, at 95. Uh, he missed the spot a little bit down the middle. All of a sudden, it's going back the other way at, at 115 miles an hour. So we'll see. At least he's not facing that Toronto offense in, in Rogers Center. It's definitely the worst park that he's ever pitched in. But I'm not that worried about price. I think he's going to be more, maybe not the two and a half ERA that he has this year, maybe more of a three. But uh, the, that mid threes. I, I don't I don't see that personally, but we'll see. It's a short sample too, though. So one one bad outing all of a sudden uh, could could take the ERA from a 3.10, which is what I'm kind of seeing, all the way up to a 3.50. So um, either way, even if he's quote unquote only a, th- a 3.50 ERA pitcher the rest of the way, he's still very easily the best pitcher that Toronto has, and, and this was a strong move for them. Let's talk about Cole hey, Hamels to Texas. I wanted to wanted to point out one thing. Uh, they might. Get another ace in Toronto. Uh, Marcus Stroman, I know that he, when he first went down, he's talking about a September return. And, you know, Still people is. were kind of like, you know, yeah, exactly. People were like, you know, I don't I don't know about that, whatever. You know, the team says, you know, he's out for the year. Uh, he just tweeted this week um, to, the, to the Maple Leafs or somebody on the Maple Leafs, I think to the Maple Leafs account, just that he would see them in September. So... You know, that uh, I think is an interesting wrinkle because then you can have, you know, David Price starting your um, starting your your wildcard game and Marcus Stroman starting game one um, if, if you win. So I think that's uh, that's I think uh, maybe in the back of uh, Anthopolis's mind just a little bit. Um, it wouldn't be an unprecedented return. No, and it's uh, not an arm injury either, so I I don't think it's completely out of bounds. That'd be great. I absolutely love Stroman. I think he's a total beast. Um, That that would be massive to to kind of add that in late season. Now, at what time, at what point would he have to return to be eligible for the playoff roster? Does it not matter because he was injured? I think it's the it's the uh, Francisco Rodriguez exception. Yeah, if you're on the DL. Uh, then you're then you're eligible. Okay, so then that yeah that that would be huge all of a sudden uh, if they if they were looking at Stroman as well. Okay, now we got to move on to the Texas deal, uh, getting Cole Hamels, and you know for all the heat that Ruben Amaro gets and, and a lot of it's deserved, I thought he did a great job here, and he was waiting and waiting because he 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 knew that he needed. Uh, the, the best deal that he could get. It could be his final salvo as a uh, as the GM for the Phillies, and and they they got they got loaded here. They they got a ton of prospects. First, I want to talk about Hamels to Texas. This is obviously a long term move too. Not not that they can't make some noise, get hot, and make some noise this year for the Rangers. Uh, they're only four under. It's not the end of the world at 48 and 52. They're uh, and they're four back as well. So you know, not only are they four under, but they're four back. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five teams in between them, though. That's the real hurdle. So this doesn't necessarily uh, a going for it this year move because Cole Hamels is available to them for for several years beyond. What about Hamels to Texas? And then we'll get into the prospects that uh, uh, Philly got in return. You know, I think with Hamels to Texas, you can actually just pretty much look at his career stuff and where his career has been going and how he's been doing. And, and that's a good proxy for what he's going to do forward because he has given up some home runs over his life. He has pitched in a park that is actually very similar to Texas's park in terms of outcomes, if not in terms of, you know, weather necessarily. Sure. And, uh, and so, you know, when you see that he's rejected for a home run per nine, the rest of the way, I think that's legitimate. That's, that's, that's going to happen. Um, and for every game he has in Oakland and in Seattle, um, the the uh, he's going to have a game in Texas. So I, I think uh, what I like about him is that he's bettered his curve. He's got more velocity recently, which is a, a, a very interesting thing. I think some people would say, um, you know, that's a precursor to Tommy John. But uh, the real the number one thing that you look for for health is past health, and he's been healthy. The number two thing you look for, or at least I do, in terms of uh, past health or, or, pr- or projecting health, is you know mix, and his mix is uh, almost ideal. 
if uh, you know if you want to get into his cutter usage, it's not a heavy cutter usage, but um, you know if you just counted that as a slider, he'd still be under the benchmark for breaking ball usage. Certainly, uh, he uses the change heavy, which is the healthiest pitch to use heavily, um, and he's just been a healthy guy. So I mean, he's a guy that has strikes out a, guy, a lot of guys, doesn't walk a lot of guys, gives up the occasional homer. Um, maybe he's just going to continue what he's doing because I would see some regression. Um, in his homer rate, except that he's, you know, maybe moving to Texas and the AL. So uh, you'd expect him to lose maybe a half K-9. That's what Derek Hardy's research suggests, mm-hmm. is you lose about a half K-9 going to the AL. But he'd still be striking out nine, uh, one per inning. Um, he'd still have, you know, an ERA, I would say, better than 3-5, a great whip. Um, he's he's an ace. I would put him right by price. I, mean, I, I, I totally agree. I think I think yeah. Cole Hamels is an ace for sure. Um, they've got him for guaranteed three more years after this, and then there's a vesting. Funny on that though, because I, I I say ace in the way that price is an ace is in that sort of in that ten to fifteen range. I don't know that I don't have my rankings right in front of me, but you know I don't know that either of them would be top ten necessarily for me. Sort of you know ten, eleven, twelve in that area. Yeah, I mean, I think I had Price right at 9 or 10 for the rest of the season. Maybe he bumps down 1 or 2, so if he's at 11, uh, yeah, I, I hear you on that. Let's talk about the, the particulars of this deal. It was Cole Hamels and Jake Diekman also going to uh, nice hard-throwing relief arm that's also going to go to the Rangers for Matt Harrison. That's just for money to kind of offset some of the Hamels money that's coming. Um, and then the, the treats here are Jorge Alfaro. Nick Williams, Alec Asher, Jake Thompson, and Jared Eikhoff. Let's kind of take them in order. Alfaro and Williams are the two big ones. I think Thompson's probably the third best. And then I, I'm not, I don't have a whole lot of information on Asher or Eikhoff. So let's start with Alfaro and Williams. These are the two that folks are most likely to know. Alfaro is a catching prospect who I believe is dealing with a bit of an ankle this year. And then Nick Williams is an outfield prospect. What do you think of what Philly got in return for Cole Hamels? I think it's pretty good, and you know, I've gotten into some Twitter, not necessarily throw down, knock them down, drag them out arguments, but you know, some Back Twitter discussions about whether or not Matt Harrison is just money, you know, whether or not the Phillies paid uh, money to get these prospects. And I, you know, honestly, Matt Harrison has a fused neck. He has an 87 mile an hour fastball. He has one pitch that's above average. Uh, that um, that uh, that that change up and that change up, you know, to some extent depends on having a fastball. And uh, he just he's not doing it on any level right now and hasn't done it for three years. That's the thing. So if you want to call him an asset, let's say you call him a, a, a like a veteran's minimum asset, like a guy you would sign for five hundred thousand or a million dollars or whatever. And uh you know, I think that, um, you know, that then you subtract the rest. So basically, you can value Harrison at a million dollars and then that you say the 12. Yeah, right. That's, that means basically 25 to 30 million dollars of the rest of his contract was just money. Uh, and so they paid they paid money for these for these for these guys. Jorge Alfaro, I, I ascribe to the belief that there is no such thing as a, as a pitching prospect, as a catching prospect. And. You know, the fact that he's hurt right now, his ankle needs surgery, had had surgery, and he's a little bit more of a kind of like a defensive, you know, a defensive guy that may not blossom offensively. I thought it was the other way around with Alfaro. I I always thought, at least when I saw him, too, particularly in the AFL, I was totally unimpressed with the defense. I thought the bat was the thing that was going to carry him and maybe push him off of catcher even. Yeah, it's interesting. When I say defense, I don't mean like sort of framing, which is what a lot of people think of when I mean defense. I mean that he has a killer arm. He 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 does. The real killer arm. And in terms of like blocking the plate and in terms of physicality, he's he's uh, he's up there. I mean, he's he's a physical guy. He's got power. Uh, But I worry, you know, I worry about a guy with a four percent, you know, walk rate and a thirty percent strikeout rate. Certainly. Um, I think that kind of guy turns into just about every other catcher. And, um, you know, so I, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't think that, um, I, I'm not banking on him. I'm not banking on him, but how about uh, the other guys? Yeah. Yeah. How the about other guys, Nick Williams? 
Yeah, Nick Williams, I like him. I, I really like him. Um, not only does the scouting uh, line up where, you know, he's got the power and speed uh, and the opportunity for a hit tool, but he took that scouting and really uh, and really did something with it. You know what I mean? Like, he took that. They said he has a 50. It's almost like the Castellanos thing where we're talking about. You know, they all talked about him having a hit tool, 50-plus hit tool in the future. You know, got a great hit tool. And, you know, you might look at it and say, well, what about this 28% strikeout rate? What's going on with that? Well, he converted that that optimism about his hit tool into a 19% strikeout rate this year. And though he may not have the kind of power that will provide like a 250 ISO and the you know, big power numbers in the major leagues, I do think he can be kind of like this 2020, 2010 type guy. Um, and with these strikeout rates, you know, much more likely to put up a good batting average with that. So, uh, he's also got great opportunity because, you know, we, we've talked about how bad, oh, God. Uh, the outfielders are in Philadelphia. Yeah. And, um, I don't know that they're, you know, necessarily gonna, uh, you know, play him in the majors right away and start his clock or anything. But, um, you know, next spring, I think he'll be auditioning for a role like right away. Completely and, agree. And he, and I think he should be on people's radars, especially if he keeps up the strikeout rate the rest of the year. I think he should be the kind of guy, not necessarily, and hopefully, you know, I don't know, maybe this will raise his profile. Maybe he'll be on, you know, top 15 on lists and stuff, um, you know, next year. So maybe he'll be overhyped. But if he does, if the hype machine doesn't really, you know, take a hold of him, um, then he, I think he could be a great, you know, one to five dollar um, NL only, um, you know, bench round kind of, you know, upside play, even in redraft leagues. That, that's that's a great call on, on Nick Williams. I think he's somebody who, you know, he's, he's having this big season in double A. Um, I imagine, and this is just a guess, because obviously, uh, actually, the trade isn't even 100% finalized yet. They're still kind of reviewing medicals probably because, uh, you know, it probably takes a long time to get through Matt Harrison's medical history. I imagine this trade might not be completed until August 18th because uh, you got to read through a lot of stuff with Matt Harrison. Obviously joking about August 18th, but Harrison's been injured a lot. And then Alfaro's ankle too. So um, we don't know exactly where Nick Williams is going to be assigned, but he's in double A right now for the Rangers. I imagine that he'll probably go to double A uh, for Philly as well, but maybe get a triple A look at some point this year. And then like you said, next year is when Nick Williams is going to be auditioning to get into the majors. Jake Thompson's probably the next biggest piece on here. Uh, former Tigers prospect that they got in the Joaquin Soria deal. He's been he's been moving up this year. I feel like he, his stock has been rising. Uh, so it's another solid get here. All, all three of these arms here, uh, I, Asher, Eikhoff, and Thompson are all right-handers. And, and you know, you, you get three, and they're hoping that one does something. Uh, who's the best in your estimation? Well, I mean, Jake Thompson has got to be the best of that group, but... Uh, you know, I don't know. I guess he, he did move up in, in, in rankings and stuff, but his strikeout rate dropped. And if you watch him, you know, it's kind of a high effort delivery and the change is kind of uh, hit or miss. So, you know, I, you know, I think this is the kind of guy that, you know, really when we talk about. But yeah, and when we talk about bus rates being high for even even well-ranked pitchers, I mean, bust rates for uh, hitters, even in the top 10, are the best bust rates that are out there, and they're probably 30 to 40%. Uh, uh, I think pitchers, you know, even in the top 10, are, are over 50%. So, you know, I think this is what we talk about. He could, you know, develop a feel for that change, and, and there are some aggressive kind of high-effort deliveries that you see even among starters, um, you know. But, um, you know, I think that the meat of the portion here is that he becomes a reliever. But... Um, yeah, you know, definitely worth owning, and uh, and keep it's, you know another lot of ticket, better lot of ticket than a guy like uh, Labor or even the other guys in this trade because he's closer. You're going to find out quicker, um, and uh, the Phillies need pitchers, so they're you know again Philly, the Philadelphia right now is a dream for dynasty owners and and for people looking for opportunity not only in the veterans that come in and fill in because. You know, uh, a guy like Grady Sizemore can owe, owe whatever he's doing right now to a chance that the Phillies gave him. 
and uh, but also for all the young guys coming up now. Yeah, uh, the Phillies have really lengthened, uh, or deepened, I should say, their, their system here, not only with this trade, but obviously the offseason they had, too. I thought they had an underratedly strong offseason. Uh, just for reference, Jared Eikhoff was 17th in Kylie's list for Texas coming into the year. Uh, Asher was 23rd, and then, and then the big guys, Alfaro was second, I believe. Um, hang on, was he second or first? Oh, yeah, duh, he was fourth because I forgot about uh, Gallo was obviously first. Uh, yeah. Chi-Chi was second. Jake Thompson was third. So they got the three, four, 17, and 23rd guys. That's not a bad haul there uh, at all. And then uh, let's see, where was where was Williams? I guess he would be – oh, he's ninth. So, yeah, not a bad haul at all for Cole Hamels. And like I said, I mentioned Jake T. Williams probably, probably – Williams, you know, in a redo of the- that same, those same players in the same list, I think, might have gone up a little bit. I agree. Yeah, obviously, we're talking. That's a snapshot from this this past winter. Hard to really get too firm on those numbers. Just wanted to point out that they got a lot of uh, uh, good names there. I like I like that move for Philly. I wasn't sure they were going to get the deal that they were holding out for, but uh, credit to Ruben Amaro. He he deserves some there. Papelbon goes to Washington. Jonathan Papelbon gets traded over to Washington in a deal. I don't. I don't even remember what went back to Washington on, or went back to Philly. I think it was a pretty much nothing. Uh, the the big thing here that we care about on the fantasy landscape is that Pavelbon comes in. He's going to close. Those of you with Drew Storen having that excellent year just lost your premium closer. Uh, but maybe you have a chance to go out and get Ken Giles. I don't know. What did you think of this move when you saw Pavelbon to Washington to displace uh, Storen? So it's weird. It's weird. A little bit weird. I, I wouldn't have, you know, picked them as, as needing it. But, um, you know, they did lose Clippard and they had auditioned some guys like Roark and, and training and some other guys Barrett. to be the second guy. Uh, who, who else? Aaron, oh, yeah, Aaron Barrett. Barrett. Yeah. He's, he's yeah. shown some flashes, but I don't think he's been consistent enough. Yeah. So I guess they, they needed a setup guy and they, they sort of, uh, you know, did it internally in a weird way. You know, Storm will get a few saves here and there. They said that they're not sure about Pavel Bond uh, in, th- in you know, the third game of a back-to-back-to-back. Um, you know, Pavel Bond, the velocity's gone down. I would say he survived the velocity loss, and he's thriving based on command and three pitches. So I think he's probably fine in that role. And for the people talking about Storm's head not being in it, today there was a whole thing about Pavel Bond learning a slutter grip from Storm in the shower. So... That's hilarious. Um, so I think they uh, they'll they'll all find a way to to because I you know I I don't know someone asked me for a World Series pick I who cares but uh, you know I I, I said uh, uh, Nationals Royals so it's gonna be you know Blue Jays uh, who Dodgers whatever but um, no, it's gonna be it's gonna be Blue Jays somebody who's not in the playoffs right now right. that's <laughs> that's what it's gonna, because not, neither of those teams are currently slotted for the playoffs so it's gonna be those two teams for sure Blue Jays Padres. Yep. Um, so uh, uh, anyway, I, I think there's not too much news here. Um, you know, other than too bad for for uh, store and owners. What do you think of Giles and, then? Uh, Let's shift over. Congratulations to for Giles owners. I mean, they held on for this long, and um, there's nobody else that's going to take that from them. The Phillies are bad enough that they can give him a ton of leash the rest of the way, and see if he's their closer of the future. And um, I think he will. There's really nothing. Nothing. Yeah. There's nothing really to worry about. I mean, he's got the velocity, got the whiff rate, got the strikeout rate. You know, you can worry a little bit about the command. Command is sure. a little bit easier in short stints in the re- when you're leaving, um, and especially when you're relieving uh, as a closer as opposed to a guy that comes with guys on base. You don't have to be as fine. You, you know, in the minor leagues, you might have caught on base with people on base, whereas he's going to come into clean innings more often as a closer. So uh, I think he'll ch- he'll commit he'll especially now that he's had success with his uh, with his fastball and everything. And his and his uh, good breaking ball. I think he'll just challenge people. And you, you see it with Kimbrel. Kimbrel had bad walk rates, like just like Giles. And he has uh, Kimbrel has uh, stuff. I think honestly. No, I I think Ken Giles is going to be great. Uh, Jason and I really thought he was going to be great coming into the year, and we thought Pavel Bond would be moved earlier, so we took a chance on Giles relatively early in, in the labor mix draft. And obviously that didn't pan out uh, because he's only now coming in to close in, in late July. But uh, I think going forward and into next year, Ken Giles is somebody uh, who could be a top, top closer asset there because he gives you the, the across the board production there. We'll see, like you mentioned, if he can get that whip down a little bit, but I'll still take the great ERA, the amazing K's, 
and uh, a ton of saves, you know, because even on a bad team, you can still log plenty of saves. I, you prefer guys on better teams, but it doesn't mean that bad team guys can't get saves. Let's try to breaking, un- news, update, breaking news update. What do you got? We have breaking news. Uh, the Yankees have secured the championship by trading for Dustin Ackley. Oh, it's done. See the Jays. The Jays <laughs> thought they made some moves to close the gap, and then the Yankees come back and slam down on it. You know, oh, it's tough. It's yeah. tough. You, you, so then you just wasted that David Price deal. Yeah, I guess that. I guess that happens. You know, that hats off to the Yankees. Crown them. It's done. <laughs> Thank God. And, and this, I mean, just to be serious, real quick, I don't think it uh, helps him at all. I mean, uh, I guess he could steal some abs from Beltron, but. Um, uh, and he's a lefty, but yeah, I don't think so. I think if Beltron's healthy, they they want him in there. And, and Ackley is more of a guy who replaces Beltron when they're winning. You know, let's, that's it. Let's try to unpack this this fifty person Latos trade here. Um, <laughs> and, and we don't have to talk about every single player, but there's a lot of prominent ones, so we got to kind of get pretty deep on it. Now I don't even know if it's a hundred percent ironed out yet. It seems to be. It's like that um, the Dodgers Padres deal, the Kemp deal, where players just kept getting added and it wasn't done for several days uh this this is starting to look like that already uh it's a 13 player deal like i mentioned three teams it's dodgers marlins and braves and and the principals here are matt latos and mike morse leaving the marlins to the dodgers uh jose peraza alex wood jim johnson hector Oliveira. those are those are the big names there so peraza wood and johnson uh, are also all going to the Dodgers. Oliveira is the big piece coming back uh, to the Braves, and the Marlins are just getting some relief, financial relief. Weird uh, that they're that they're trying to dump money, and and some some minor leaguers, none of whom are, are all that major. Kevin Guzman, Jeff Brigham, and and Victor Arujo, um, plus the financial relief of of shedding 14.3 million that is owed to Latos and Morse, according to MLB trade rumors. And then the last minute thing that was added was that the Braves are also throwing back Arroyo's money, Bronson Arroyo's money. Remember that sweet deal with the Tuki Toussaint uh, when the Diamondbacks made that sick move. So that's going to kind of offset because I thought that I thought the Braves' returns were a little bit underwhelming too. A 30-year-old Hector Oliveira, Paco Rodriguez, and a kind of decent whatever minor leaguer Zachary Bird. It seems like the Dodgers made out like bandits here. Am I crazy, or or did they not fleece these two uh, NL East teams? Yeah, I mean, I, I I think so. There's one thing I would say is that there there haven't been a lot of uh, hitting prospects moved. So, you know, if you look at all the deals, they've been pitchers. Yeah. And so I would say that um, you know Nick Williams aside, and maybe Alfaro, Hector Olivero is is probably one of like one of the three best hitting prospects moved at this deadline. But I gotta put and, I gotta put prospects prospect in heavy quotes there when we're talking about a 30 year old yeah it's that's true uh i mean for them i guess the benefit is that uh they think he, they can slide him in pretty quickly well and, the, and they uh, loved him the, the report came out that the braves loved yeah. him they, they were probably second place in terms of signing him uh, and now they don't have to now they don't have to pay a bunch uh, of money the bonus. bonus yeah yeah, yeah. so you know the dodgers basically have figured out that they've got more money than everybody mm-hmm. and they're basically just buying players even in trades. I mean, Absolutely. they're buying buying Latos in this trade. Um, you know, they bought Peraza back in that uh, in that trade, you know, basically by taking on Arroyo. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. So now they get they get Latos and Wood to fill out the back end of the rotation. Everyone kind of thought they might get one of the big guys, but I, I'm sure the big guys, uh, Hamels, Cueto, and Price, were, were going to cost them one of those one of those big names that we keep hearing that they don't want to trade. What, what's that? Yeah, Urias and yes. Seager. They didn't, they didn't want to do that. They didn't want to and touch them. Kudos to them. I don't think they need an ace. I mean, why? I agree. Like, really, that'd be ridiculous. Price, Granky, Kershaw, come on. Kershaw, Grinky Wood is good enough and Latos, uh, for I like any season rotation. Yeah, and it, and it basically in the postseason, Wood and Latos are like a combo guy. Yeah. Because you can start one, and as soon as anything happens, the other comes in. Um, and they're so different in that Latos, you know, a little bit more raw stuff, um, you know, headstrong righty. Bring in Wood, not finesse, but lefty, uh, 89, 90 miles an hour. 
crazy mechanics, you know, crazy deception. Imagine being a hitter and having Latos, who kind of shows the ball to you, get a little comfortable against him. And then he throws you the critter, which, you know, is that pitch that he throws. <laughs> he has no idea where it's going. You start getting off balance. Maybe you get to Latos a little bit, and they bring in this guy who looks like he's falling apart on the mound, and the ball comes out of nowhere. And, yeah, so I think that's a good good combo. Doug Thorburn calls him the Tasmanian devil, and I think that's a uh, very <laughs> apt description of Alex Wood. It looks like a... A toddler melting down on the mound, but uh, it's hilarious. Yeah. But no, I, th- I thought this was a great move for the Dodgers here. Um, you know, second place would, would be the Braves. Um, I think you and I finished third place in this deal, even though we weren't involved. And the Marlins finished ninth place in this deal. That's how I rank it um, because they, I I don't I just don't understand the Marlins. They're they're so lame. It's unbelievable. It, it's absolutely ridiculous here that uh, all they're getting out of this is is, is three minor leaguers. I, Maybe I need to learn more about the, these minor leaguers, but I never even heard two of the names. Um, and then, uh, you know, shedding the money. It's it, it's so sad to be a Marlins fan. It has to be. Um, but, yeah, nice moves here by, by the Dodgers to shore up the back of that rotation. That was really kind of breaking down. You know, Brett Anderson's been been holding. You know, the fact that they gotten 20 starts and 118 innings out of him, they're, they're thinking they're lucky stars. Obviously, he had the injury scare last week but went out and still made his start, didn't miss any time. But you don't want to keep riding out him, uh, relying on him, and then riding out Mike Bolsinger uh, and those type of guys. So now you, you supplement the back end of your rotation with two quality guys who would be at least in the middle of most rotations um, and they're filling out the back end. So hats off to the Dodgers there. That was a sharp Latos, move. Latos, uh, you know, he really got back his velocity. People talked about this enough, but he got back his velocity and his swinging strikes after the, after he got right uh, after for the DL trip or uh, his DL stint. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think in short stints, he's still usable in a, in a dynasty league, especially if I was selling, I would, uh, I would definitely use this opportunity to sell him. Uh, because I think long term, these nicks and cuts that do rob him of his velocity and his strikeouts and stuff, um, you know, I, I think those are just going to start piling up. And he doesn't have great uh, work ethic. He doesn't have great, um, you know, uh, intangibles. Temperament. Yeah, so, he, he's not he's not a great clubhouse guy. And I don't know if you've read Molly Knight's book yet, The Best Team the Money Can Buy. That they had some they have some characters in that clubhouse. Uh, I don't know if they're going to take too kindly if his temperament doesn't doesn't shape up a little bit. It seems like he gets run out of places because of it. Uh, first San Diego, now Cincinnati, then Cincinnati, now Miami. This fourth team now for Latos. Usually, if you're if you're as good as he's been throughout his career, teams aren't necessarily looking to get rid of you. And yet here we are. Uh, so we'll see what he does here and with the rest of the season. I believe he's a free agent at the end of the year. Is Latos. So maybe if he makes an impression, shapes up a little bit, they might want to keep him around. But I wouldn't be surprised if he's on another new team come next year as well. So yeah, the big underrated piece here for me is that Arodas Vizcaino has a chance to slide in and be the closer with Jim Johnson going to the Dodgers in this deal. I don't think he's quite Ken Giles level, uh, where where I think Giles is an automatic go out and get him if you need saves no matter what. But Vizcaino, if he does get the job, I think it can be something. This is a longtime prospect who, you know, has really battled injuries, but he was on prospect lists for years, you know, and it feels like he's been around forever because he hit pro ball at age 17. He's still only 24 years old, so it's not like this is some old guy. What do you think of uh, Vizcaino as a potential closer for the Braves? Yeah, I think it's a it's a good fit, and it's it, it helps him because he never really had that third pitch. Um, he had some command issues. We've talked about how this can help. Uh, short stints can help, and he has a, a plus plus you know hard curveball, ninety uh, eighty four miles an hour with a ninety seven mile an hour fastball. It is the Kimbrel you know approach. Um, so you know maybe he doesn't quite have as nasty as stuff but he's in terms of velocities and movements and stuff it, it looks pretty good and uh i i was all over it i, I wrote a piece today for espn insider and um i target I, I said that the the, the closer is most likely to lose their job i based it on a strikeout rate and velocity um and i indexed their strikeout rate and velocity to reliever average reliever things and i just added them together and the, the Closers most likely to lose their, uh, lose their jobs were Brad Ziegler, Mark Melanson, Jason Mott, and Jim Johnson. And, you know, that's the objective list. I would take subjectively Mark Melanson out. But, um, you know, in terms of who I, I said to replace those guys, I had um, – uh, who's the guy with the two Tommy Johns? Um, 
uh, Daniel Hudson in in Arizona. Oh, nice. Uh, uh, Tony Watson in uh, in Pittsburgh, but but least likely probably. I had Hector Rondon in Chicago mm-hmm. uh, and Rodas Vizcaino in, in Atlanta. So very nice. You know, that one's already come true. I think Vizcaino is happening now. Um, and uh, for what it's worth, down list, I had Rondon replacing Soria, um, and then Fields replacing Gregerson. And and you, and you mentioned uh, Joaquim Soria for the Tigers. He there's a very good chance that he gets moved. They're, they're they're probably already deep in talks to move him. There's no reason to keep him around. And I do agree with you that Bruce Rondon has a great chance to be the guy. Alex Wilson is somebody I would consider as well. He doesn't meet some of the criteria that that you lay out as as. Uh, the best way to decide who's going to take the role, which is why I agree with you on Rondone. But I'm just going off of usage, uh, mostly there, you know, because Alex Wilson, 5.4 strikeout per nine rate, not going to overwhelm you, doesn't have overpowering stuff, but he's getting used a lot and he has been successful. 184 ERA, 0.97 whip. So he could get a look too if they don't, if they deem Rondone not quite ready. But I would still, if I was specking for saves, particularly in the AL only, Bruce Rondone is somebody I would definitely want to pick up as well. So, Keep an eye on that. Again, Vizcaino has not been named, but I think he is the most likely candidate, and I, I would be willing to bet on him for sure. Let's talk about Brandon Moss, the uh, move over to St. Louis for him. He gets traded in what I believe is a one-for-one one for Rob Kaminsky, a, uh, a former first-round pick, solid prospect for the Cardinals here. Now, this move is basically in a response to Holiday hitting the disabled list again with that quad. It hasn't been a great season for Brandon Moss, but it hasn't been awful either. I think this is very much in the range of his outcomes. It just happens to be on the lower end. And weirdly enough, uh, it's for the one reason that I, I wouldn't have expected. One one of the reasons I loved Moss coming into the year is that he was moving from a park that hurts lefties to one that actually helps them. The progressive field isn't really known, probably known, known mostly as neutral, probably leans a little bit closer to, to pitchers than anything else, but it does help lefties, particularly lefty power. And I thought Brandon Moss, you know, would definitely play on that. Instead, he's been dog meat at home. He's been absolutely awful. Just two of his 15 homers are at home, a 190 average, uh, 276 OBP, and a 294 slug. That's a triple slash for Brandon Moss at home. It's been really bad. Uh, so now he's going to move over to St. Louis. They're going to sprinkle some devil magic on him, and he's going to hit 15 homers the rest of the way. That, that much is obvious. But what did you think of this trade when you saw it come down? Yeah, I liked him to hit 30 homers um, with the with the little help from a, a, a nicer home park. Um, he might still hit 30 homers. Uh, you know, I thought he might push beyond that a little bit. But there's a couple things going on in that. I think he's been facing more lefties this year than usual. Uh, just they haven't been as much of a strict platoon. And, you know, in terms of what he does well – hitting lefties is not at the top of the list. I mean, he has, uh, well, it's funny because his batting average is worse against righties this year. Uh, but in terms of uh, isolated slugging, better against righties um, and, uh, you know, walk rate a little bit better. Uh, but I guess that's why they've been playing him is that he's been doing a little better than against lefties. But still, 130 plate appearances, I think that's a little bit more than he would have had last year. And uh, in general, I would expect him, given his stance and given the way he approaches the game, to have a big platoon split. So, uh, you, you know, he's got a big open stance and, um, you know, he tries to, you know, really hammer the ball. So that, I think that he could be susceptible to lefties. Any case, I think it'd be more of a strict platoon in St. Louis because that's how they do things. And, um, you know, there got to be some sort of park effects for him. And the other thing that's going on is the hip injury and also the hole that I talked about with him in the um, – in the one of my best interviews I ever did, where we where he talked about he can't get to the pitch um, that's up and in, and uh, so you know I you look at his his the way they're pitching him, everyone's trying to throw the ball high on him, and uh, he's a low ball hitter, so you know there's some league adjustment to him. He has he hasn't had the type of track record you can say oh he's made plenty of adjustments in the past, you know, so there is still an adjustment waiting to happen here. Um, but, um, uh, any case, St. Louis needed him. Absolutely. I think, uh, he's better than Mark Reynolds and, uh, he can play the outfield on holidays down. Um, there's not a lot of guys who can play first and the outfield that are available right now. And, uh, and so he fits their needs perfectly. Rob Kaminsky, <clears throat> you know, I don't think he, I would personally put him behind, uh, a lot of the lefties that have been traded. And there have been uh, several, by the way, somebody pointed out, 
uh, on Twitter that Cueto and Price were both dealt for three lefties, which is a pretty pretty interesting coincidence. Lefty, lefty right. lefties are out there to be had. Lefty prospects. Well, in terms of the ones that are the closest to the bigs, you got Norris Finnegan and uh, and Boyd. Uh, Minsky or Boyd, I guess Boyd. Kaminsky's high A, you know, I guess he's not as far, he's not as close. But, um, you know, of those guys, um, I guess I would still kind of take Norris first, even though with my reservations about him. Uh, I'm probably the high guy on Finnegan. Uh, I like the shape of Finnegan's changeup. I think that if somebody had some confidence in him as a starter and gave him that role, that he can be a starter. So I'm... uh, I, I, for me, Finnegan actually fights Norris a little bit, but I'm going to defer to the scouts who really like Norris and don't love Finnegan as much. But that's how high I am on Finnegan. I'd say I'd make Finnegan the second-best lefty in any of these trades. Nice. Uh, yeah, Kaminsky's a definite prospect. Nice pickup by, by Cleveland here uh, to, to get to get him for Moss. He's a small lefty, 5'11". You mentioned he's in high A, having a pretty good season. He, he is a high school guy, so he's only 20 years old. Uh, 209 ERA. It's only seven and a half strikeouts. Not a not a huge strikeout guy in the minors so far, but uh, doesn't walk too many guys. Decent numbers, uh, and 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 the scouting reports back up the numbers and say that, that there's something here. He was fourth on the Cardinals list coming into the season for Kylie. Uh, you graduate Piscotti by the end of the year, probably not not yet. He hasn't reached the plate appearances yet. But if he does, you graduate him at second. That would bump him up, obviously. That's just without any sort of redo. He would all, uh, Kaminsky would then be the third guy, but he's very clearly a top ten type of guy uh, for the Cardinals. No matter how how you feel, even if you're a little bit down on him, I, I don't think he got much lower than than sixth or seventh in any sort of Cardinals list outside of Kylie. So this is a nice pickup for for both teams here. I think this is a nice win win. The the Dodger or excuse me, the Cardinals did need this, and, and like I said, I think if you're just looking at the 695 OPS of Moss and saying, well, why'd they trade? a worthwhile prospect for this guy. I think you're kind of missing the point, like I said, because Moss is better than the, than what he's played so far and they needed him. And, and you know, it, I, I, I don't think Kaminsky comes back to bite them in any way. Even if he ends up being very good, they've probably got 10 other Rob Kaminsky's hanging out that they'll figure it out. So, you know, they, they have a surplus of talent. I think it was a good move for the Cardinals, and it definitely helps Moss's value, in my opinion, going from that from the Cleveland lineup to the Cardinals lineup, irrelevant of park factors or anything like that. Let's talk about the the Carlos Gomez debacle a little bit. I just want to get your thoughts. It's not terribly fantasy relevant because nothing came of it, but but how were you reacting last night when you were checking this out uh, as it as it was kind of happening? I didn't get to follow it as closely. I, I was at softball, so I'm checking every half inning uh, and, and seeing how it's just falling apart, and it was so crazy. What did you think when you were following that last night? Like, honestly, it was soul crushing, and I'm not and I'm not I'm not trying to be hyper whatever. I'm not trying to overblow it, but it was soul crushing because I didn't think I was that kind of a fan anymore. Like I was so excited about this deal that I was like running around the house, like literally running around the house. And my wife was looking at me like, what? Like the the mess. I just tried it for Carlos Gomez. I, think, I don't blame just, you, man. I don't, I love hearing that. And I was like, even though uh, one thing I would say is that Wheeler, it represents an interesting type of trade acquisition in, in that I think he's high floor and high ceiling because he's already done something in the major leagues and his, Tommy John bus rate is lower than a, than a prospect bus rate. So, you know, Tommy John bus rate is something like 15%. Uh, prospect bus rate is something like 40 to 50%. So you're talking about a guy who has a high floor uh, in terms of that, you know, league average starter. You have an 85% chance of a league average starter. And then best, based on the stuff and the growth that he did, you have a high ceiling beyond that. So, um, you know, Wheeler is a good acquisition for any team and might make this trade fair even though i don't think much of wilmer flores uh i still thought it was a great thing for the mets in particular to do because they have so many great pitchers they have mats coming up they have other guys that can fill a fifth starter role and wheeler you know was clearly the sixth best starter of, of all of them plus there's the failure rate and all that stuff so i uh, and then gomez they get for a year and a third plays center field you know, which replaces Lagares, makes Lagares a bunch, a bench piece or Nguyen Hoist or whatever. You know, one of their weakest spots in the lineup becomes one of their strengths. I mean, it was just really, really exciting. And it was the kind of shot in the arm that the team needed. And it was amazing. 
And then as it's falling apart and you're see, you know, you're seeing Wilmer Flores crying on the field and then there's, and, and then you're saying, well, this is terrible that Wilmer Flores is crying on the field, but at least they made this great trade. And I feel bad for saying Wilmer Flores is a bad player, but still, you know, I'm happy that, that this is happening. And then they tell you that Wilmer Flores is crying because uh, somebody in the fans, a fan told him that he was traded, but uh, the team told him he wasn't. Um, and that's why he was playing, but still crying. Then you're like, why isn't this happening? And then last night they're talking about, oh, isn't this not happening because of the hip? And the beginning of the day today, it's the hip. It's Gomez's hip, and that makes sense because you know I, I'm a little. I, I know I'm streaming here, but it, 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 this is how my di- night went, my day, you know. And so Sandy's like, you know, oh, this didn't happen. It's not going to happen, which suggests it's not a Wheeler problem, exactly. And, and it's not a Flores problem because if it was a Wheeler and Flores problem, they could just figure you it know, out, do a different piece, you know. So this is a Gomez problem. So you know, Sandy's putting the problem on Gomez, but then these these reports come out, and they're from Milwaukee, of all places, that uh, this was scuttled for money. And you know that's totally believable because of the, what the Mets are like. But at the same time, you know Milwaukee's a jilted lover in this situation, uh, and and they're going to say whatever it takes to make themselves look better, and also to make uh, Carlos Gomez seem like an attractive piece to go get. So, exactly. That's good. Uh, you know, the whole thing sucks. It, it was and crazy. It's so terrible. And then this game today where it's raining and they blow the game. Uh, it's just, uh, I mean, it's really going from like running around the house being super excited about something that you didn't think you would get as excited about anymore and just being like, whoa, I'm a fan again. And then just being just, 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 just dashed and just like broken on the rocks. Like, it's it's anyway. tough. It's tough. And honestly, I'm not even a fan of the Mets. And I was so geeked about the trade. Uh, my my buddy is a huge Mets fan, and we're on the same softball team. So the the trade's like coming in as I was parking, putting on my cleats, and I'm looking. I'm like, oh, dude, did you hear? I'm like yelling to him when I'm 500 feet away. Paul, his name's Paul too. I was like, Paul, y'all got Gomez going crazy, and yeah. and then we're watching it break down uh, as we're playing too. And it's, it was it was nuts. It was absolutely nuts. I'm glad to hear that that you got so excited. Though. I felt the same way about the, the price. Obviously, it's a little bit different. Uh, Tigers aren't really going for it, but I got pretty amped about the price deal. But I, I, I think it's clear uh, to people that I'm, I still have the fandom that uh, <laughs> that I had when I was younger for the Tigers, at least. But yeah, it was just it was absolutely crazy. And then you know Terry Collins' comments were pretty funny. Like I've been balling in the third inning and nobody took me out. Such a weird, weird, weird situation. So now, uh, as as we wait to see if your beloved Mets can come back from this this soul crushing potential loss here, and for those that, that that don't know, although you should by the time, at least by the time this is out, you know the the three run ninth inning in the pouring rain off the uh, Justin Upton home run. What do you think the Mets do uh, in the next day and a half? Anything to kind of remedy that? Not not remedy this, but to to counter it and and still go get a bat. Do you think they they still go out and get somebody? Yeah, I mean, there's just not as obvious a great fit in that. What about the guy who know, just did the damage? Well, if you get a Justin Upton or a Jay Bruce, Jay Bruce is a little bit better because uh, in terms of you know building for next year as well, Jay Bruce on the contract for next year as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and Justin Upton is just a rental. Wayne Cespedes is just a rental. If you go get any of these guys, then you're um, you're playing Granderson in center. Don't um, you dare. Make yeah. maybe say anything bad about Granderson. Don't you <laughs> even try to say anything bad about Mr. Curtis Granderson. Uh, no, I I hear you though. He it's as good as good as uh, Granderson's been this year. I don't think you really want him playing center. Um, I'll speak for the Tigers and and say that uh, that my favorite team will take Wheeler for uh for Cespedes they definitely will so if you, I don't know how much pull you have with the Mets just being a fan I probably zero like me but if you can get that done I'd appreciate that just Cespedes for Wheeler straight up I think that would work out that that would be all right but no I think the Mets will still try to make a move I think it will be bigger than kind of the Re- Uribe Kelly Johnson moves which I liked but, but but maybe not as big as the Carlos Gomez we'll stay tuned to that um, that's it for the trade news right now in terms of trades that have happened. Now let's talk about a couple other things. I already mentioned Tigers are shopping Cespedes, Soria, others, maybe like Rajay Davis, Avila. Um, Cubs are shopping Starlin Castro pretty hard. And this seems to run counter to news that we got the other day that he wouldn't be traded. Yet I, uh, from what I saw on Twitter, Joe Madden cleared up that he was just talking to Castro about that day. 
you're not being traded because you were pulled out of the or you were not pulled out of the game because you were being traded. This doesn't apply to the rest of the season, though. Also, Joe Madden does not know if Kitasaki Castro will be traded. Exactly. <laughs> he he could only tell him for that for that one moment. He could tell him right then and there, no, you were not just traded. I think people ran with that, and, and, and there were statements coming out that said, oh, Madden tells Castro he won't be traded, and that's the end of that. Well, no, that was for that day, and now we're hearing that they're shopping him pretty hard. Uh, I haven't heard of anything on potential suitors, but what do you think of Starling Castro at this point? He's still very young. Uh, he got, you know, he's had, got some great seasons under his belt, but uh, this one isn't one of them for sure. I thought he was going to be much better this year, and he's actually been absolutely brutal after a pretty decent start. Where are you right now in the 25-year-old Starling Castro? Yeah, you know, he's really he's really done everything he can to uh, to take, just torpedo take his, his value. Yeah, I mean, he just just in all the ways that he incrementally added to his game, you know, on the way up, you know, 2011 you know, from 10, 11, 12, he added a little power. I mean, that's when I was excited about him. He added a little bit of power. He was young. I mean, he still is young, but he added a little bit of power every year. He was taking, uh, you know, stealing more bases every year. Um, and I just thought, you know, this is the kind of incremental growth that will get you to, like, you know, a 20-30 season. I mean, that seemed possible. He hit 14 homers and stole 25 bases, and he was, like, 23 years old or something. So, um, all of that has kind of just slowly gone in the other direction. Yeah, it's and, been bad. And it's just, I don't know what it is if, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to fit, you know, a square, uh, a, 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 you know, a, a round, a round peg into a square room. hole or whatever, or whatever. Like it just, you know, it's not, he's not fitting maybe with their philosophy. Although I will say the stolen base stuff, not only do stolen bases age terribly, but he was never really, um, efficient. Uh, yeah, he was never efficient. So, you know, especially a new organization, a new, you know, team that thinks about efficiency the same way as Theo Epstein does, it's going to tell him to stop stealing bases. So, I, the power uh, piece that you mentioned is is where I thought things were really going to continue to develop for Castro. Though that's, I wasn't even worried about the stolen bases returning this year when I was projecting a solid season for him. I thought the power could uptick again though, and that we, he could start approaching the 20 homer threshold. And even if he didn't get there, you know, 17 homers out of shortstop with a good average and some and some solid uh, context numbers, runs and RBIs because I thought the Cubs would be all right. I didn't know they'd be as good as they've been. Um, I thought that that would equate to a pretty damn good season for him. And if and if things broke right, then all of a sudden uh, you, you tack on a little bit to all of those numbers and you're talking about the top shortstop. So that's why one of my bold predictions was Starling Castro as the top shortstop. He might be the very worst shortstop. I, I, I might not have been able to get that prediction more wrong than I have with his 61 w, uh, OPS plus. He has been a nightmare so Starling Castro could get moved. The thing of it is, at 25 and not a free agent until 2020, that's still a lot of value out there, though. I still think that the Cubs could get something pretty yeah. substantial, even with somebody who has a 576 OPS right also, now. Also, one other thing. I know that there's a piece coming from Dan Farnsworth. I think he's working on Starling Castro's struggles for next week. And I'd be really interested in what he has to say because – if you look at what he's done the last uh, three years, I think there could be a mechanical thing wrong with him. He was a guy who hit fewer than 50% ground balls, you know, the first three years of his career and had some power and didn't hit a lot of pop-ups, you know, was kind of league average in that regard. Mm -hmm. And in the last three years, his ground ball percentage has skyrocketed to the point where he's hitting 57% ground balls this year. And on top of that has uh, a pop-up rate that's out of this world right now. And, you know, just looking at the guy who used to do it one way and now does it another way and is not having any success, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, Dan Farnsworth can really get in there and say, you know, look at this, look at this, he's, you know, doing this, or, you know, he's swinging down on the ball or whatever. And maybe get uh, – sorry, I was going to say maybe getting somewhere else – uh, what, uh, the, another team is seeing that and saying if we get him in here, we can fix him and turn him back into something here. So, yeah. Not a bad buy low for a ball club uh, being out there. And so I understand why they're shopping him. And like I said, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Cubs got a healthy return if they do, in fact, deal Starling Castro. 
Yeah. All right. You know, I got one last bit of news here. We were going to do the on the rise pitchers similar to what we did with the hitters, but we, we did so long on the uh, on the trade talk here. We're going to have to table that. We, we can push that till next next Tuesday. I do want to talk about Michael Pineda hitting the disabled list with an elbow injury here. Unfortunately, this is kind of what uh, what everybody was waiting for this year, at least what they what they feared. Not not waiting for. I hope you weren't morbid enough to just be waiting for somebody who has an injury history to get hurt. But uh, that that was definitely the big concern with Pineda coming into the year was that his health profile has been less than stellar and now they're talking actually i'm seeing it now it's a uh, right flexor forearm muscle strain grade one strain which is the least severe uh andrew miller missed a month with this this is according to to roto world here he missed a month it was the same injury that he had what do you think of this with Pineda? He's obviously been uh, kind of up and down when he's good. He looks amazing. When he's bad, he looks like one of the worst pitchers in baseball. It's been very maddening. Where are you on Michael Pineda now heading to the 15-day DL? I mean, this is this is, this is is terrible news because, you know, if we wanted to say that he wasn't necessarily injury-prone, he just had a massive injury. Um, I mean, that's uh, maybe parsing words a little bit, but... Uh, it, it could be possible he just had, you know, a shoulder injury. And once he gets that right, Animal Sanchez has been decently healthy since he got his shoulder repaired. So, yep. um, and, and both of them, you know, were getting, getting repaired young. Uh, but now Michael Pineda is like a 26-year-old, and he couldn't get through, you know, his first quote-unquote healthy season uh, healthy. I mean, he couldn't even start the season healthy. Uh, you know, he finally got in there, and now he's hurt again. So, I mean, it's just it's it's sort of devastating. I I don't know if this is headed towards him, you know, either having Tommy John and, and being a starter again, or you know, going to the bullpen. But um, you know, it's really it's bad news. And and you know, if you'd sold Pineda a week ago in dynasty leagues, you could have asked for anything you wanted. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and the future is very bright. He, he, even with some of the ups and downs this year, I still think that the, the, the general feeling of him on the fantasy landscape was pretty positive. And obviously this is going to put a very uh, big black cloud over that. Yeah, so it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, really, it's really unfortunate. I don't think there's, there's anything you can do about it. Um, do they just got to hold on to him now. Do they make a move now? I, I thought that the Yankees uh -huh. could have used an arm already. Um, and obviously now this put this puts even more need. I thought somebody like a Matt Latos who's already been dealt would have been a nice move for them. What what what, what do you think the the Yankees might do here in this last day and a half of of trading potential? You know, there's not uh, there's not a lot going on. Um, you know, on the trade you know the trade rumors for for the Yankees because they're they're saying that they won't trade their top prospects. Yeah, and it's already yeah. been talked about. Uh, who who did they? Uh, there was a deal that they were talking about. Judge was the was the game breaker or the the deal breaker. I can't remember who the player was, which makes this story absolutely terrible. But there was somebody that they were rumored to be saying Severino's out, Judge is out, uh, and I've even heard is out. So yeah. that's their top prospects. And once you get past their top three prospects, you're talking about Jacob Lindgren, uh, who's hurt right now and uh, probably a reliever, um, and Jorge Mateo, which I I've heard he's out too. Uh, he's a shortstop, and then you're done with the 50s. So you, you you pretty much can't get a top guy without a 50 value prospect. I mean, that's what we've seen. The 50 future value prospects are what got Hamels and uh, Norris. You know, Norris was a 50. So you know, once you're down into the 45s, you're talking about Robert Refsnyder. I mean, you're not going to trade Robert Refsnyder, who can't break. He, Stephen Drew is the worst second baseman in baseball right now. Regular second baseman in baseball right now. Robert Refsnyder can't take the job from him. Um, you know, Eric Jagiello, uh, J.R. Murphy. There's 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 some flotsam here and some jetsam, but there's not, you know, Gary Sanchez, you know, maybe someone's still dreaming on him. Uh, you know, Brian Mitchell, the guy who's starting today, has a lot of velocity. Uh, the changeup is bad, but he's got the cutter-curve combo that could maybe uh, be kind of, you know, Garrett Richards-esque if everything breaks right. So they've got some guys that can get them a Mike Leake, you know, and I think that a Mike Leake could be helpful to them. That might, it might really, that might sort of thing might happen. I don't know if they have the stuff to get Jeff Samarja. No, I, uh, I don't know. Not, not if they're not going to give it up. It, not if they're not going to give up any of those guys. I thought Greg Berg would be somebody they'd at least entertain. Um, and in fact, when I was doing, I did like a trade speculation thing with Doug Thorburn, and uh, we made up some trades. And Greg Berg was the main piece I had going back in a, in a make believe Latos deal uh, with some other pieces there. You know what? I, I'm I'm being generous today with the Tigers. I'm I'm giving away their pieces. Alfredo Simon. 
for um, let's see who 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 the tiger. You know what, Alfredo Simon, we'll take Michael Pineda. I know he's hurt, <laughs> but you know what, we'll go ahead and do it. So let's get let's get that booked. We'll help you out here. We'll help you out. Hey, listen, you just had a guy go on the DL. You know who's not on the DL? Alfredo Simon. So let's get it done. I actually, hey, I, don't, I don't think that'll work. Yeah. One last thing about uh, the Yankees. Uh, Dave Cameron just tweeted something that is not uh, crazy. The idea that uh, Dustin Ackley was a good defensive second baseman once upon a time and that the Yankees have uh, a hole at second base uh, currently stood around by uh, Stephen Drew and uh, aforementioned Rob Refsnyder. Uh, Ackley's 91 um, rest of season WRC plus is 10 points higher than uh, Stephen Drew's. Um, and uh, for all the occasional home run that Stephen Drew offers, a 265 on base percentage is, is not getting what? it done. And he's not even actually offering a, a lot of defensive value. So he's been under replacement for two years now. Dustin Ackley, Yankees second baseman? <gasps> Man. Maybe. Now that has a little bit of American League only, uh, uh, you know, upside to it. Yeah, le- lefty getting PT in that in that ballpark. All of a sudden, yeah, that, that leave it to Cameron to, yeah. to to take the snark out of what we wanted to be snarky about, it, and he actually puts yeah. a little injects a little bit of realism here. And so career we'll, high pull rate for Ackley too. You know, lefty pulling in in that stadium. Maybe uh, maybe you know he get, he hits like you know eight more homers the rest of the way. That, and, could, that uh, could be useful. 240, 250. Uh, that's that's almost uh, you know 15 team MI. You know if you guys hurt, if you just lost somebody, maybe I don't know. Maybe maybe something there. Hey, but uh, as far as I can push that dream. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're not, we're not saying he's now mixed league uh, all formats. Go get him. We're just saying that hey. There might be a little bit more intrigue, whereas before we were just completely laughing at it. You know that's going to wrap us up. Jason and I will be back on Sunday to wrap up. All the trade deadlines goings on, going on, goings on. Um, but until then, you know, I hope you enjoy the last uh, day and a half here of potential trades. I hope there's a ton more. Uh, we'll, we'll see what the market brings. Uh, take care and thanks for listening. Yes, thank you for listening.